When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One minute after seven, no better way to kick a show off than with a little bit of the old Gunners, Guns and Roses. Mark Watson alongside of me, Jacob, with you through to nine o'clock tonight before we hand it over to the boys, Justin Nelson and the team for Hoopheads. Uh, telephone number, and we'll take talk back now for the first half an hour on 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. Uh, really good to see the afternoon team. Mark Stafford and the boys get on... Ben O'Keefe and Ben saying look he got the forward pass wrong a pass that led to the Crusaders scoring a try but was happy with large parts of the game I will read what he said and I'd like to get your thoughts on it it takes me probably a good 10 hours to go through the game forward, rewind. I'm clipping, I'm coding and really trying to find the detail because I want to give really good feedback to the coaches. While O'Keefe's review told him he nailed the process leading up to the yellow card, he gave Chiefs number 8 Luke Jacobson after repeated penalties against the hosts. The top referee put his hand up and admitted he had missed the much-discussed forward pass from Crusader Jack Goodyear. He says, that was a clear forward pass that we missed from the Crusaders. It's my responsibility to get that. What I actually noticed when I did my review is that I moved into the D line as I transitioned. When the ball was passed behind me, I went in there too deep. So I was about four or five metres behind the D line. We want to take half a step, get behind the D line. And as the defender comes through, you move back with the defender so you can quickly get back into what, what's a ball-in-line position so you can get a line for those passes, and that's something I didn't do. Despite what... And, yeah, and so, look, I... Tough job being a referee. You're never going to get it right. He's done the review, but he's taken one for the team here because, to me, it's the line, it's the job of the assistant referees to rule on offsides and to rule on knock-ons. And primarily where the ball goes into touch. That is their focus, that is their function. And maybe to pick up any foul play. But I think the problem these days is the assistant referees are referees. And so it is just a habit to be looking at the breakdown 
looking at whether the defender is on his feet at the breakdown, whether the tackler's rolled away, because it's what they're trained to do. It's become instinctive for them. And so I wonder whether we just actually need to get somebody who tut runs the line, who just simply looks at forward passes, offside and knocks on and knock-ons. Because it is unacceptable in a final like that to miss a forward pass. However, where I think people get this wrong is saying, well, okay, if that try had have been ruled out, instead of the score being 25 points to 20, the Chiefs would have won 20 points to 18. No, that's not how it works out because the game goes in a completely different direction then. You come back, you have a scrum. Chiefs win the scrum, they probably kick. And the game basically is a completely different game until in regards to the phases that then follow. What I haven't heard too much from Chiefs fans is the fact that Anton Leonard-Brown post-match has now been suspended for the entire rugby championship. Basically saying that he should have been red-carded and he wasn't. So let's say that the Crusaders' try is not awarded because the forward pass is picked up. But then let's also be fair and say Anton Leonard-Brown should have been sent off. Do you honestly believe, Chiefs fans, you would have beaten that Crusaders team with 14 men and at times possibly 13 men because other yellow cards followed? 0800 150811. Like to just see if we can get a bit of talk on this before we do get a Chiefs perspective from All Black Great Ian Jones, who will join us on the program uh, at 7.30 tonight for the final edition of Chiefs Mana. I, I, I'm over every single game of rugby being played, and the next day we're talking about the referee. The biggest problem with rugby are the rules and the fact that it is so open to interpretation. I've, former producer of mine, has gone on become a top referee at MPC, super rugby level, um, Angus maybe. And I know having watched Angus's career sort of blossom, I was there when he refereed his first MPC game. I think it was North Harbour Wellington or North Harbour Manawatu possibly, I can't remember. But I also know how much coaching is done, how much the review process is in place. And it actually, when you're close to it, it actually gives you some reassurance there that there is not a bias. Where I think if you go back and follow the All Blacks in South Africa in 1976, without doubt you were playing 16 men. We want to encourage referees in the game, don't we? We want to encourage people to become referees. But at times you're on a bit of a hiding to nothing. I don't have a problem with fans booing. 
I have a problem though when you get onto social media and you start genuinely attacking the person. It's called ad hominem. And you actually get quite nasty. I've had it happen to me just in the role of a talkback host. One day so bad that uh, the person's number which popped up on the text machine, I googled it, found out where they worked and I sent an email to their work. I said, look, I don't think this is good enough that an employee of yours on work time is sending me these texts when I'm just simply doing a job. And as I say to people, if you don't like talkback, if you don't like an opinion, don't listen to talkback radio. It's really simple. Um, I've been hammered and criticised as a commentator over the years. Some people love you, some people hate you. Uh, that's the game we're in. I mean, ask Justin Marshall, ask anybody. If you want to have an opinion, do you like Mills Molina? Do you prefer Justin? Uh, you know, you can say the same about Grant Nisbet, whoever. And that's fine. You understand that goes with the game and that's part of it. And social media, um, you know, some of it is basically just public toilet graffiti, but it is what it is and it's out there. And so, you know, if you, yeah, you know, if you, if you want to become a professional referee or if you want to become a sports broadcaster, you've just got to be aware that stuff does exist. But that doesn't mean we can't try and stamp it out. And so, yeah, I, I, I just think you've got to be a little bit careful when you get so personal with referees. And if you are one of those people out there going after Ben O'Keefe, do you honestly believe the Chiefs would have won with 14 men? Because he should have, and he didn't, should have given Anton Leonard Brown a red card. You would have been down to 14 men for a lot of that match. You would not have beaten the Crusaders with 14 men. So just be careful on occasions what you wish for. And I didn't hear Chiefs fans jumping up and down and bagging the referee when you beat the Crusaders in the round robin and there were some very contentious decisions which went against the Crusaders that night. So you've got to be consistent. 0800 150811. Let's bring Jacob into the programme. Jacob, you've been sitting there listening to my little editorial, my good man. What's your take on it? Well, I was at a I was at a mates football game on a Saturday afternoon before the Super Rugby final, and I'd like to say, like, I mean, it's it's not specific to rugby this problem. I know soccer's it's, brutal. It's to do with it's it's the same in every sport it seems, well, especially football and rugby. Perhaps not like hockey where the where the umpires have more control. It seems, but um, like it's unacceptable. I agree. When you go when you go after someone directly in, in a direct message, um, on online, there's got to be some way of policing it. Unfortunately, there's not because it's not built into the system that they've created, uh, like Facebook and Instagram. But there must be a way to to, to fix the problem. Yeah, it is. You've just got to get tough enough. Look, I'll be honest, I'll be one of those guys that's gone along to a first 15 game, watch Man Abbott Grammar School, um, so emotive. You know, I've yelled out that line, big game for your first game, ref. You know, player gets penalised, been doing it all day, ref. I've been that guy, man. And then I go home half an hour later, an hour later, I'm pretty embarrassed with my behaviour. I I really am. But you get caught up in the moment. Um, I get it. I get it. But I think there is still a difference between that and then genuinely going after a person's character, a family, and using genuine expletives and genuine hate. What I also just want to congratulate Ben O'Keefe on and anybody involved in here is the fact that he fronted up today on the station. I reckon it's great that he's come out and done that interview. He's taken us through the process. He said, yes, I got it wrong. And I just wonder whether there needs to be a forum 
for referees post-match to talk through some of the key talking points. They are a big part of the game. I don't think they should be a sacred cow either. And I think sometimes that would just alleviate um, some of the public perception. Because often we think we know the rules and we don't always know the rules. But they might just simply come out, yep, we got it wrong. I'll have to have a look at the tape properly. Um, but look, this is the reason we gave it. This is the reason we don't. You know, I think perfection when you're refereeing an international game of rugby is probably about 80 to 90%. Nine out of every 10 calls you're expected to probably get right. But I also think it does come out on the wash at times. And that is forgotten. Uh, 0800 150811. G'day, Graham. Oh, g'day, Mark, again. Yeah, how are yeah, you? Good, thanks. Oh, I know, good. Oh, you left me in a hell of a state last night. You know, just to, you know, when you mentioned that Blues, Blues slash Auckland team, you know, that about how they'd beat, you know, the best Canterbury Crusaders or whatever team you want to call it. Yeah, no, it was good fun. <laughs> it was a hell of a blue side, hell of an Auckland side, I should say. Mind you, a hell of a Crusaders team too, but we'll never know, will we? It's just one of those things. No, no. It's just one of those things, but it's a good discussion. It's a good bit of talking point. And oh, as, yeah, no, I know. As I said, it's just one of those things that you could talk about around the water cooler and there's just not enough oh. these days. Hey, so, um, Liverpool so and Graham, Manchester United fans and football discussing who's the best, you know, their greatest teams ever up against each other, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, I, yeah with this subject about the ref, and, you know, it's a big one, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, good on Ben O'Keefe because I think one of the real problems is, is anonymity, you know, and, um, you know, I put stuff on stuff. And I put my name, and um, <clears throat> a lot of people, and you get them on text messages and talk back. It's a, it's a lot more, you know. People criticise talk back radio, but go oh, on talk back radio. I've heard people, TV people, particularly. But actually, you, you know, you're up for grabs because they know your name if you read, and so people criticise or like what you say. But the trouble is, people are, you know, have got nasty. You know, there's a segment of society that are nastier and nastier, you know, and, you know, a lot of good people out there, but people, they revel in this, you know, um, sort of vile behaviour, really, and um, it's, um, that, that's one of the problems, you know, and, and I don't think it's regulated very well, because then you've got people that can basically say anything, like, well, you know, I... how, does, how is it a death threat gets posted? I mean, I don't understand. I mean, where um, it must be, they must have hacked through to his account or something. But it's it's pretty. Well, they just. It's no, but it's not so bad. much. It's not so much. They go. They just go on Twitter and they just go on public forums and then that just gets yeah, back. Yeah, just, yeah. just gets back, doesn't it? And it's like you know what. But what I'm saying is, and look, I know um, when you guys Crusaders lost that mid-season game. I know Crusaders yeah, point, Crusaders yeah. fans weren't happy with some of the refereeing that day and felt that some of the decisions went against them. And then in the final, yep. we can look at it and say, well, maybe a decision went in favour of the Crusaders and against the Chiefs. But then you can look at it yeah, and go, yeah. well the Anton Leonard Brown situation, you know, and all yeah. I'm saying is, mate, that is the nature of this game, rightly or wrongly. Um, but, you know, it's just got to the point where, you know, I come out and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to talk about the referee tomorrow. Oh, yeah. I know. Rather, than, rather than the game itself, rather than, you know, the spectacular moments. And unfortunately, I think the World Cup's going to go down that path, yellow card, red card, um, you know, and the different interpretation from different referees. You know, the Northern Hemisphere referees will be absolutely brutal on it. And, we, yeah, you yeah. know, we, we, we might bring a little bit more discretion. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that, yeah, I think too, that I think it is a reflection of, so, I, you know, to be blunt, as a Crusaders fan, the level of antipathy um, towards, 
you know, I think that, that the level of expectation they were going to win, and you know, Keith, you know, McMillan said before the game, this is our time, and I think that was the firm belief of a lot of their yeah. fans, and and I know most of their fans wouldn't have sent those messages, you know, I know that. No, look, it's always... Because but, they're just, but, but, they're but, fans like yeah. me, and you yeah. are for the Blues or someone else is with the Hurricanes, but there's that segment out there, and they'll take it that next step further, and they might not even... Go through. I mean, God forbid, go through with what they they're just doing it just to, to get at people, say the worst possible well, thing. So, yeah, but, but they got they just got nothing better to do with themselves, mate. Um, you know, look, I, I, I've got a high jump final that I did at the Rio Olympics, and it's had twenty nine million views on YouTube, and it's part of the Olympic Channel. And you know, you read through. I, I know occasionally go back and just see how many people have watched it, and I read the odd comment, and ninety nine percent of the time it's about the athletes. And then occasionally there'll be that one, oh, these commentators don't know what they're doing. And you go, well, hang on a minute, 28, 29 million people have watched this thing. There's 3,000 comments, and I've scoured through it, and probably one in every hundred might be in reference to me or my co-commentator. And that's negative. But I think, actually, that's pretty good. It's not a bad, that's not bad. Because people genuinely don't go online to say nice things, do they? They don't. Unless, of course, it's like winning a World Cup. Hey, look, Graham, lovely to have you on the program. Um, I do have some commercial requirements. We've got a Chiefs Mana show that we, um, with Ian Jones coming up shortly, so we'll get his perspective on it from a Chiefs point of view. 17 and a half minutes after 7, 0800 150811 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. It is 22 minutes after 7 o'clock, a little bit of journey there. Do encourage people to watch the um, documentary on journey and the discovery of Arnel Panetta, uh, their lead singer, after Steve Perry left the group. Found him on the streets of uh, in the Philippines and done a remarkable job in terms of allowing Journey fans to enjoy what was once a very, very big band back in the late 1980s. Uh, Jacob, I've seen some texts that have come in earlier as part of your, was it Team Tuesday that you do? What's the Team, Teamless Tuesday. Teamless Tuesday. You had hard men and hard women. I did have to laugh when I saw um, Jake and Beth Hecke from Once Were Warriors as your midfield combination. Oh, I mean, that'd be a strong midfield combination. Yeah, I just think that too much. Go cook the man some eggs. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Too much bickering, you think? Oh, brutal movie, but boy, it was well done, wasn't it? Just, just an insight. Not a, just, just all societies, and and not not amongst Maori. It happens amongst European families. Happens amongst in every culture, everywhere in the world. There is that, yeah, that 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 side of society which is really, really sad. Um, we used to go and train full time in the when we were training for the Hawaiian Ironman. We'd go across the Burley Heads. For some reason, we watched that movie before we started this three week training camp, and there was myself and Cameron Brown, guy Gordon Walker, who coaches Lisa Carrington, and a couple of others. And funny, over the next three weeks, we'd always take lines from that film. Um, and when you're really, really tired, you've got to have a bit of humour, and sometimes it's a little bit of black humour. You know what I mean? It's a bit sort of maybe inappropriate, but it just for for yeah, the state that you're in and you come off the bike after a 200k ride and you've got grit in your eyes and Gordon would come up and go, go clean yourself up. You look like, you know, and then throw that expletive in. But man, it was funny. You know, it just took the edge off what was a really, really tough period of time. But yeah, so I was always yeah, interested when I saw Beth Hecke. Who were some of the others that they came? Oh, Kevin Skinner, Mark Short. Yeah. You know, Kevin Skinner was Australasian heavyweight boxing champion. 
and they pulled him into the 1956 All Black team. They were taking on the South Africans, and they had Henny Becker, who was the other one. They were hard bastards, the South Africans, mate, and they were nasty. And they bought they bought Kevin Skinner in purely to sort out the South African front row. He was a good rugby player, but he was Australasian heavyweight boxing champion. You want to mess with us? You sort out Kevin Skinner. And that is the legend of the great Kevin Skinner. And Cowboy Shaw, he was a hard man, good number six back in the 1980s there. Zinazine Zidane. Who did you have? Ronda Rousey on the left wing, I see. Not a bad one. Yeah, Ronda Rousey. Um, my shout was Kimbo Slice. Do you know Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was the original sort of mixed martial street fighter, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, street Kimbo fighter Slice. turned MMA yep. star. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sadly passed away. But yeah, no, yeah, what happened hard to him? man. Um, I feel like he had like, like blood of like uh, leukemia, I think. Okay, some, so something it wasn't was some sort of cancer. Tragic. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd have Tyson, but he'd be only on the field for about two minutes. <laughs> Bite someone's ear off. Yeah, yeah, well, he'd just start throwing punches and get red carded. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, we we am at um, second five and our and our final fifteen. Yeah. Uh, pairing him in the midfield was Monty Beatham. Yeah, no, I don't know whether I'd go with Monty. I like Monty, but I, don't, I think we could find harder. Yeah. I think yeah. we could find tougher. I think we could find more of a mongrel. problem with Monty is he's just too nice. Yeah, exactly. One of the nicest blokes. Yeah, yeah but, you know, certainly could hold his own in a boxing ring. I can tell you that. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Anyway, look, um, that music's playing. Don't go away. We're not going anywhere. That's just this music bed they put in. Uh, because technically we're changing it up. We're moving from extra time to Chiefs Smarter. So we'll have All Black great Ian Jones on the programme shortly. We'll get a Chiefs perspective on that final. It will be the final Chiefs Mana show of 2023. That's coming up next. One minute after eight, you're listening to SENZ Extra Time, Mark Watson, and we've got Jacob. Jacob, sorry, what's your last name? I do know this. Uh, That would be Scott with two Ts. Jacob Scott. It's a good name, man, isn't it? Jacob Scott, ladies and gentlemen. You can put it in for a commentary racing now on the inside. Jacob at a length and a half here to Scott Kate, followed by Carmo and Kane. No, that's good. Jacob Scott, it's a nice name. Two first names. Yeah, that's true. Powerful stuff. Have you done that on a Tuesday? There's one for you where you go the... First two name fifteen. I have suggested it many times, That's and quite I a would good one. like to be the captain, possibly the coach. Might as well be. Oh, you yeah. might as well be everything. Might mate. as well be everything. Yeah, one through fifteen. Jacob Scott. I'm just trying to think. Has there been any All Blacks with two names, two first names? Maybe somebody could text us. Conrad. In. No. Maybe somebody could text us in. It's a good idea. Double eight, double three. Double eight, double three. If you can think of any All Blacks whose name, first name and last name, could both be their Christian name, if that makes sense. So we've got Jacob Scott. There must be some. There must be. Just trying to go back through some of the great players. Zinzan Brook. Brook's a first name, isn't it? Yep. Brook, yeah. Yep. That could count. Yeah, no, anyway. It's not great radio when you sort of pause <laughs> to think. It's a bit like the great French mime Marcel Marceau. 
hey, welcome in to Marcel Marceau, and then you'd have silence for the next sort of two hours. An on-air brainstorm, you could say, too. Yeah, an on-air brainstorm. Mm. There you go. Hey, uh, look, we've just had a text come in from Brett. Brett says, hey, thank you for your company and thoughts throughout the season, gents. Absolutely gutted with the result. I love my team, and I like the Chiefs. I'll be back. See you on the start line soon, Carmo, and what I'll come say g'day at the Mount Festival when you're on the mic there. Appreciate you both. Up the mana. That comes from Brett. Brett does Ironman, but a triathlon. So, yeah, do come and say hello. It's one event I still do every year is the what used to be the Port of Tauranga Half. These days simply known as the Mount Festival. Michael, oh, someone's saying ask Carmo about Kane and not fronting the media. This is an interesting one. So there's some controversy that Sam Kane didn't front the media. Now, a lot of people believe that, you know, he said, look, he was just that upset, didn't want to front. I don't have a problem with that. I know he's got a responsibility. What annoys me is that I think Ollie Ritchie, who was the other journalist who reported on this, was shut down then by New Zealand rugby. I am sick and tired of New Zealand rugby trying to control the media, trying to control the narrative. Chris Ratu from the New Zealand Herald described them as the Kremlin, and they are exactly that. You sort of feel like Putin just wants to control the message. Look at the damage they've done to Sky Television by not allowing Sky to have some open, honest discussions on their TV shows addressing the major issues, whether it be at an administrative level, whether it be with the Players Association. There is no engagement now in rugby because there are no narratives, because no one's allowed to speak honestly and truthfully. I think it's a great story if you come out and say Sam Kane didn't front the media because he was just too damn upset and too devastated at the result and probably felt like he left his team down, let his team down with that yellow card. Other in the media might come out and say, oh, he should have fronted, he's a spoiled brat. Now, if that's the narrative they want to take, and I don't agree with that, but if that's the narrative they want to take, so be it too. What ends up happening is we're talking about the game. We present another narrative. We can talk about the magnificence of the game. We can talk about some of the controversies of the game. We can talk about Kane maybe not fronting. The reality is there's a high level of engagement, which is what rugby lacks now. What's rugby reduced itself to? 80 minutes in the middle of the park. And most weeks, it's so predictable it's got boring. And they've got to stop being the Kremlin. Sky Television, you have a responsibility to your shareholders to return a dividend to those investors. You do that by having high levels of engagement. Television shows which are what I call appointment viewing. Television shows that are the default setting. So you get 80,000 people watching them rather than 1,000 people. Then you go away with your advertising card and you go to companies and go, hey, we've got 80,000 people. This is the demographic. Do you want to have a 30-second commercial? Do you want to have 10 of them? This is what it's worth. Or you can go to the same company and go, oh, we've got 1,000 people watching it because the show's actually really boring and predictable. Um, but because we've only got 1,000, hey, you can have it for this. And every shareholder sitting there going, Please, I just want to get my money back. I just want to return on my investment. I know, but rugby is our commercial partner and we don't want to burn them because what if they burn us in three years' time when we've got to renegotiate? What you do from a public relations point with New Zealand rugby will have no sway when it comes to the next television deal. New Zealand cricket demonstrated that they will simply go with the organisation that provides and presents them 
the most money. And it's incredibly frustrating watching the media tiptoe around the damn All Blacks and the way the All Blacks just bully media. It started, in my opinion, with Steve Hansen. And it's continued. And it's not good enough. And then they wonder why people are no longer watching the damn game and they're all watching the rugby league. Look at the scandals in league. But look at the brilliance on the field. Look at the multiple narratives. It's a little bit of everything. There's a train wreck if you're into that. Mind you, you can... Also watch Married at First Sight. Seven minutes after eight. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. G'day, Mark. G'day, Mark. On your uh, question about All Blacks past or present, who you could use their first and last names as Christian names, my favourite All Black of all time, Captain Kirk. Regular going when All Blacks gone before David Kirk. Oh, David Kirk, yeah, very good. Yeah, captain of the 87 side. Auckland pushed out of Otago originally by a good mate of mine, Dean Kenny. Yep. Rhodes Scholar as well. He's done very well in business, hasn't he? Yep. Yep, and I think you're right on the money with uh, what you've just said about New Zealand rugby. And I would urge the New Zealand public to do the talking with their money. Don't turn up to a match if the performance on the field is substandard, but also get in to every avenue of social media you can find, get into every avenue of letter writing you can find. Like when I was a kid, my grandparents always wrote to the Listener magazine. I don't know if it's still around in New Zealand. I think, I think, the, listeners, I think the Listener's still in existence. I think it's still a hard copy. I don't think it's online. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to be in that's that a game. Good, that's, yeah. a good way, that's a good way to get people's attention because everyone in New Zealand looks at the Listener. Bottom line, the New Zealand public needs to do everything they can to complain, raise awareness and do all they can to get the board of New Zealand rugby out because it's these clowns that are turning uh, New Zealand rugby union into a second-rate sport where nobody's interested in looking at it and New Zealand rugby just needs to implode the board and start over. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of that. It's amazing when you read through the qualifications of the boards of, you know, some big organisations and then you sort of sort of sit back and go, yes, but how come you can't see the obvious here? How come you can't actually see the elephant in the room? You've invested all because this money in a product. You've invested, you've invested money in a product that is not actually gaining popularity, that's actually declining. That's a bit like stocking a product that was popular 10 years ago, but it's not that popular now and still believing that somehow your business is going to survive in the long term. Any good oh, business, absolutely. any good business identifies the strengths and the weaknesses. They do a SWOT analysis and they say, wow, what have we got to do here? How do we reinvent ourselves? How do we um, continue to evolve? You want to become what I call the Madonna of brands. And what I mean by that is Madonna was hip in 1984 and Madonna is still very hip with a young group of people today, even though, you know, she's been around for what, 40 odd years or 30 odd years. Yeah. I know. Along those lines, I'd prefer to think of it as uh, the Finn brothers. They managed to always reinvent themselves, be it as split ends, solo acts or crowded house, but they do it with style, class, genuine talent, and they never lose touch with their New Zealand fans on the ground. They always keep their roots in mind and they always keep their fans in mind. And I don't think that's something that the New Zealand Rugby Union board has done for 20 years plus. I think they just need to get the short kick out the door and they need actual players. They need actual business people who are genuinely invested in and love rugby union, not a bunch of second-rate bean counters who are just concentrating as to how much money they can get out of the game before it, 
you know, utterly sinks into oblivion. They need to get players in there. They need to get coaches in there. They need to get business people in there who have a genuine love for the game, a genuine involvement with the game, especially on a grassroots level, and lift New Zealand rugby out of the mire where it is presently at. Yep. Look, I um, don't disagree. I mean, it's a problem. It's become too financial, isn't it? And sometimes you actually have to factor in the intangibles. New Zealand cricket found out this the hard way. They took the money and gave away Sky. But what happened is you lost probably 80% of your audience. Kane Williamson was hitting 200s. If that was in the 1980s, every kid the next day would have been walking around pretending to be Kane Williamson because it was on free-to-air television and your audience was huge. And to a degree, it still would have been the same on Sky because Sky has become accepted. I think they've got, what, a million subscribers. So you've got a big audience. And that's what you forget. Yes, you take the money, but what damage do you do in the long term? Now, if you're ANZ who are paying a million dollars to maybe be on the front of the shirt, when you renegotiate that, you're going to go, yeah, well, hang on a minute. It was worth a million dollars when we signed, but we've lost 80% of our audience and connecting our brand with that audience that we now think it's worth 200000 so you lose 800000 in that deal. And so therefore, in the long term, you're not actually making the money you thought you were. And I think that gets lost a lot of times. How do you put intangibles? How do you include intangibles or factor that in in some of the decisions you do make? What I don't like, and this is a general thing, so we've got this... So High Performance Sport New Zealand, or Sport New Zealand have now said, look, every major national sports organisation now need to have 40% women on their board. So you put a quota system in. Now that's because maybe they feel in the past that women haven't been well represented. And I get that. But I don't think that you can go out and put quota systems in. I'm happy if a board's 100% women, 80% women, as long as you've got the best people in place. And I'll tell you what the problem when you go into this mentality of, what do we call it? You want to have equal opportunity. So we all want to be able to um, have the same opportunities as everybody else, but you cannot have equal outcomes. Give everybody the opportunity, then it's what you do with the opportunity, and then it's based on merit. And see, the problem when you have quota systems, and this is probably the best way of summarising it, this is the best definition, this just allows me to articulate what I'm wanting to say, and I found this because I thought that's exactly what I'm wanting to say. And this is the problem when you go down this path of saying, hey, we're going to have 40% women or we're going to have 40% men or we're going to have 40% of this ethnicity or whatever, or 50 or 60, whatever it is. It says, to achieve equality of outcome requires that you discriminate against the best candidates to achieve balance. If, for example, you have 10 positions available and the 20 best candidates are of one gender, you can only offer five of those candidates a position. The other five positions must go to people of the other gender, even though there are 15 better qualified candidates. That's not good for your business or fair on the candidates or fair to the candidates. The same would go for promotions. If you have four managers, two men and two women, one manager leaves, the replacement must be of the same gender, regardless of who's best for the job. It's just not a good way of running an organisation. And I saw Sky Television. Oh, look, I want to say this about Sky. Sky do a lot of really good things. Don't get me wrong. I love the product and what they bring and the sport they do put in our living room. Don't get me wrong here. They do a lot of really, really positive things. It's just the opinion stuff in and around rugby and New Zealand sport that just does my head in with them. But I also don't like the fact is that I read headlines and they talk about, oh, we have now equity in our executive, 50% women, 50% men, for the exact reasons I just read. I'm sorry, that's not the way you run a business. 
That's not good. Not when your primary function is to return a dividend to your shareholders. And even the way the media is now set up with commentators, presenters, it's not the best person. It's, it's, it's identity politics. And it's not good. You know, you cannot have a platform that promotes women's rights or men's rights or whatever. You've just got to have a platform that is based on merit. Because if you've got the best people in place, you'll have the best product. 0800 150 is the number. Uh, thank you, Mark, for your call. Um, phoning from Sydney, do appreciate it as always. But he came up with David Kirk as All Blacks with two first names, technically. Um, we have said Dan Carter. We sort of said Zinzan Brook. Zinzan, very unusual first name, but it is a first name because Zinzan made it a first name. Um, and somebody's texted in the great Nicky Allen. Now, Nicky Allen died, unfortunately, in Australia, but he was, when talking grammar school, Nicky Allen, he was described as might have just been the greatest secondary school player that's ever played the game, Nicky Allen. Absolute genius. Auckland Grammar School with the likes of Grant Fox. Martin Crow, I think, was there at the time. And they said Nicky Allen was a few years ahead of them, was just the most mercurial player, a Christian Cullen type player. Uh, but you might, is, is Cullen a first name, eh? Cullen Grace, Christian. Yeah, Cullen, yeah. So Christian Cullen, Cullen Grace. Mind you, these days, names have become sort of, like, girls' names are cooler to choose. Like when you have kids, man, like girls' names are so cool. Boys' names, it's like Mark, Jacob, you know. I'll speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll come up with another one while you're uh, brainstorming there. What about Will Jordan? Yeah, Will Jordan. Very good. Yeah, Will. Will Jordan. Yep, Jordan. What about, why don't we branch out? What about all blacks that have got names of countries? Oh, yeah. Have interesting. you ever had Johnny Australia? Johnny Australia? I don't know. Has anyone ever been called Australia? <laughs> <laughs> England? Well, uh, Scotland? No. It's, it, it, there wouldn't be too many, I would have thought, that have n- countries that... Um, are actually Christian or surnames that no, you can ba- think think about. Back in the day, your surname was your occupation, right? So that's what you were named after. Like Baker was, you know, you're a baker. Yeah. Watson, God knows what a Watson was, but. Good looking man. <laughs> Intelligent. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Uh, 0800 is the number. Uh, if you do want to phone the program, taking your call, 17 minutes after eight, uh, we will take a break and then we'll get Willie on the program so Willie if you can just hold the line greatly appreciated After eight oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one, let's go ahead to Super Rugby Championship Country Christchurch. G'day, Willie. Hey, g'day, Watto. How are you tonight? Yeah, good, thank you. Hey, um, I think one good name is Joe Stanley, one of the greats. Yeah, brilliant man, but grammar boy, mate, Joe Stanley. So yeah, look, um, yeah, brilliant, Joe Stanley, World Cup winner, nineteen eighty seven, of course. Um, yeah, I think I think he would make I think he would make play at centre without doubt in the two Christian name All Black team. 
I think so. You know, like him and Frank Bunsey. Bunsey and, and Joe Stanley were the ones that made Joe John Kerwin. They did all the hard yards. That's what I think, anyway. Yeah, and you'll say the great Warwick Taylor was a part of uh, that All Black setup, and I think people, and he was a good Canterbury man, Warwick Taylor. Um, and as far as the quota system, I'm with you. I don't like that idea either. No, it's just flawed. Yes. It does. It just it, it just ends. It just it's a, it's still a form of discrimination. No, it's not. Um, the Bledisloe Cup. What are your what are your views on that? And who do you think it could go well? The Australians, the way that uh, the Australians are packing that side together, I think we're going to have an interesting test. Oh, look, I think. I think what we've seen with Ian Foster at the helm is I think we're going to be jittery going into every damn test we play. I don't think we're going to go with a lot of confidence. I think we're going to get a sign of whether he's evolved or not um, with the first test team that he picks against Argentina. And I've got a sneaky feeling it'll be a little bit of same old, same old. And same old, same old, I think, has let us down a little bit in the last sort of three years. So, um, look... When you look at that rugby championship, I could see us losing all three. I could see us winning all three. But that's the thing, mate. Histo- you know, Historically, you'd you put your money on the All Blacks winning all three. I, I, I can't do that. Yeah. OK, Wado, have a good night. It's a good show as always. Hey, thanks, Wally. Lovely to have you. I was, I was down in Christchurch yesterday. I was down in the, that beautiful part of the world, or as we affectionately call it, the, the village of the damned. No, it's not. Um, one of the great experiences I had this year for people in Christchurch too, I was, um, what are you laughing at, Jacob? It's the village of the damned, mate. Oh, it's just the fact that you go, oh, no, it's not. One of the best things have had, had happened to me, well, one of the best experiences I've had this year was um, the Marty Cup. Got to commentate my first Marty Cup the last two days, just the finals. I've always wanted to do it. Terrible sound, um, but you, you do what you do. Um, but the Marty Cup final, um, 76 years it's been going, only 17 schools have won it. All the big schools were on the start line for that men's eight or that boys' eight. St. Peter's of Auckland, first time they'd ever made it. My school, Man Over Grimmer, which has actually won it eight times, they won the first ever. They, they were only in the smaller boats. They weren't there, but you're Christ College. Hamilton boys, the defending champions who seem to pick and pick players from right or pick Stars from right out the sort of Waikato Bay of Plenty region, they were the defending champions. That was at Carapero. They pulled a lot of their rowers out of other finals to make sure they kept their powder dry. They desperately wanted to defend it, wanted to win their 12th. But everybody was talking about St. Bede's out of Christchurch. And it ended up being one of the great finals, arguably the greatest final in the history of the Marty Cup. And I was just lucky enough to be there when it happened. And it was separated by one five hundredth of a second. And Hamilton boys felt they'd won it and they were told they'd won it and were celebrating only for the official results to come out and go the other way and St Bede's ended up winning it and I've got to say it was one of the great privileges one of the great moments for me and I've been very lucky I've called a 100 metre final at the Olympic Games and all of those things but for me it's about I don't know it's a bit more personal it's a bit more I don't know I just love the emotion of that sort of stuff so that that's you know so I've been nice to Christchurch this year maybe I'm just envious when I call you the village of the damned are you the village of the damned? Oh, 800. <laughs> Text us here on double eight double three. Is Christchurch the village of the damned? That is our theme tonight. No, it's not. I love Christchurch. Family trees are straight line. No, it's not. It's not a bamboo shoot. That's all those Auckland rugby jokes. 
It's funny though, isn't it? And, and genuine, I've got a lot of time for Christchurch in that region. But, you know, here's a bit of banter that I throw at you and I'm probably winding a few people up. But it's, that's what rugby lacks now. There's no more of that banter anymore. You know, there was a time back in 99 when James Kerr scores a try at Eden Park. The Crusaders beat the Blues. They win the Super Rugby title. And 80 to 100,000 people turn out in Christchurch for a ticker tape parade. And what are we, 23 years on, Crusaders beat a very good Chiefs team in a very good game of rugby, and there's a small reception for them at the airport. And New Zealand rugby somehow believe that the game is still healthy and it's thriving and it's still as popular as ever. When are they going to get their head out of the sand? Um, So we've just... I don't know, I, we sort of followed on a little bit from what the Drive Show did, picking these sort of all-black teams around a theme. And um, We have gone with two Christian names. And so far we've got Christian Cullen, because Cullen can be also a first name. Will Jordan, so both of those are first names. Dan and Carter, both of those are first names. And we had Mark from Sydney phone in and say David Kirk, former All Black captain and halfback, World Cup winning captain in 87. Some others are Jamie Joseph. It's just text in. The great Joe Stanley. What about this one? Warwick Taylor. Taylor's a first name too. So, so far, it's not a bad backline actually. David Kirk at halfback, Dan Carter at first five. Warwick Taylor at second five. Joe Stanley, so you've got the 1987 World Cup winning midfield back together. You've got Will Jordan on one wing. You've got Christian Cullen on the other. We need to find another winger. Got Zinzan Brook at eight. We've got Jamie Joseph at six. Got another couple of suggestions for your water. Okay, come on, big guy. John Mitchell. Yeah. Does he make the team? Well, Maybe the coach? Although. No, no, Graham Henry. Because <laughs> Graham, Graham Henry. Graham yeah, and Henry. One. Yeah. Um, John I'm, Mitchell. Yeah, where would he fit? Because he's not going to play eight. Zinzan's got eight. So he's no. on the bench at the moment. Mm. He, yeah. Yeah. Bench position. What about George Nepia? Is Nepia a first name? There was a former employee of SENZ called Nepia. So why Nepia. not? Yeah. The other one I was thinking of is John Timu. Is Timu. I don't know my Tereo and my Māori well enough. I'd imagine Timu is a first name, is it? Mm, I mean, there's Ali Timu that was no, just it's moved over. Yeah, okay. last name. So, yeah, George Nepia. Well, he wouldn't fit in because I still would have Christian Cullen ahead of him. Would you even have Justin Marshall? You could have Marshall as a first name, right? Justin? Boy, now you're telling me to pick Justin Marshall or D- David Kirk. <laughs> I'm going a, Justin Marshall over David Kirk. I've got another name for you, Caleb Ralph. Uh, yeah, Caleb's on the bench. He's on the bench, is he? Yeah, yeah, like Caleb, but he was a bit, bit overrated. Bit overrated. That might be a bit harsh. Yeah. Crusaders will love him, but he's not going to get in the side ahead of Joe Stanley. He's just not. And he was a centre. We'll take a break. You might have a few more thoughts. Uh, but look, I'm happy to do what I call fast food talkback, which is these list type stuff. Um, it can be a little bit entertaining. It's not my default setting. But you've, yeah, um, some of the talking points, I guess, that keen to get your thoughts on. And that's this whole refereeing issue. Good to see that. 
uh, Ben O'Keefe came out on the show today with on the afternoon show here um, with Mark Stafford and said, look, I've made some mistakes. I went through the tape, went through the process that he uses post-game, the analysis that he does on himself, the analysis that his coaches do on him. He said, look, I missed the forward pass. What I will say is, though, that you can't then just assume that if that had been ruled forward, that the score would end up being, instead of 25-20, the Chiefs would have won 20-18. Because the context of the game changes completely. You come back, you play a scrum. From that scrum, somebody kicks, ball goes back upfield, and the game takes a completely different, turns in a different direction. You, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, game moves in a completely different direction. Uh, But also, too, you cannot tell me, if you're consistent then, you've got to say that Ben O'Keefe got the head-high tackle of Anton Leonard-Brown wrong and he should have got a red card. Therefore, the Chiefs would have been down to 14 men for most of that game. Assume like Jacobson picked up a yellow card or somebody else picks up a yellow card, they might have played some of that game with 13 men. So if you think the Chiefs, if Chiefs fans, you genuinely think the referee cost you that game, I'd like to hear from you because I think there are some inconsistencies in your arguments. It's not ideal. It would frustrate the hell out of me if I was a passionate Blues man and the Blues were involved. 0800 150811 is the number. You can text us here on 8833. Hoopheads is coming up after nine o'clock. Casey Frank will bring us all the basketball expertise. Justin Nelson will join him in studio as well. I think my Tuatara is still top of the table. But we'll take a break here on SENZ. There are spare lines if you do want to get through. I keep saying this, I think Talkback is a better experience if you jump on the phone. I know people are texting them, but jump on the phone, have a chat to me. I'm not that bad. Don't believe what my wife says about me on social media, okay? Please don't. Frank and Anton Oliver. Very good, Anton Oliver. He's my hooker. Ma Nanu and Pitiwepu, are they Andrew Hoare? Yeah, but Hoare, Hoare, Hoare's not a first name, is it? Oh, and Franks? Drop the S. Yeah, but his name's Franks. <laughs> Could be German. Sounds like a bit of a Franks. Someone called Franks. Nonu out there, Pity, Pity, Wepu. Wepu, is Wepu a first name? Mm. Perhaps not. Mm. Uh, 26 minutes away from nine. Telephone number is 0800 150811. Justin Nelson and the team will bring you hoop heads coming up after 9 o'clock. Casey Frank alongside of him. All things to do with the New Zealand National Basketball League. Looking forward to that. Always enjoy listening to that as I'm driving home. Uh, Jacob Scott, your music taste, my good man? That would be the who? Won't get fooled again. Yeah, but I'm asking you, what's your Oh, right, taste? sorry. No, um, that's all right. That's, 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 
my ambiguous language. Ah, oh, yes, just I uh, wasn't computing there. Um, I mean, I would say sort of like in, indie pop, I guess. Yep, would be my most listened to genre. Bit of house, bit of techno, why not? Yeah, can never do the house, can never do the techno. Mm. I'm pretty good across a lot of genre now as I've got older. I like watching documentaries. Like I do, mm. in all seriousness, listen to a bit of gangster or a little bit of, yep. I do enjoy a little bit of the, you know, more hard-hitting talk of rap and yep. all of that. And I've always admired the M&Ms and sort of from that, you know, started delving a little bit more into that genre. But I can never yep. quite do the house stuff, eh? House? No. no. I mean, I like it. It's a bit uplifting. I play it usually when I wake up in the morning. I mean, it sounds a bit odd, I guess, but I don't know. It just, like, lifts me up in the morning before I have my uh, morning coffee. Yeah, never really done the whole music thing in the morning. I listened to the BBC World Service, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's quite interesting. They have some good sports stuff on there, man. Yeah, no, no, I've heard. Either. And they're a little bit, you know, I know no media companies these days are particularly balanced, and I think a lot of them sit probably more predominantly on the left, but BBC's not too bad, eh? And they do regularly critique themselves in terms of addressing issues from listeners and stuff and have someone answer questions and stuff. And I just, yeah, I just quite like it. I get sort of a bit sick and tired of some of the myopic stuff that we focus on in this country and I just find it all a bit depressing. Uh, Reese Walsh, now he's facing the judiciary tonight. Um, the Brisbane Broncos have hired a judiciary specialist, Nick Garber, to defend Walsh. Now, Walsh has been accused of swearing at a referee. Now, he's come out and said, no, I wasn't swearing at a referee, I was swearing at a teammate. No, you weren't, Reese. No, you weren't. I'm sorry. I hate to say this, my good man, you need a four-week suspension, you need to grow up, and in my personal opinion, mate, you're a bit of a dickhead. Just my opinion. And it's a shame, because you've got all the talent in the world, my good man. But you're sort of the Ja Morant of the NRL, aren't you? You know, last year with the Warriors, we had the cocaine issue in the bar. The first time, was it just the first time you were caught? I'm not sure, but that's always that line, isn't it? You've got the world at your feet. Just don't be a dickhead, mate. Be the best you can be, both on and off the field. Okay? Good-looking young man. You've got the world at your feet. State of origin. Brisbane Broncos fullback. People are telling you how great you are. You've probably got girls throwing themselves at you. But just don't be a dickhead. Okay? Nothing more frustrating than seeing guys waste incredible talent. You don't want to be one of those players, those flawed geniuses. You're too good for that as a player. Now, a lot of people in the Warriors felt that, you know, we should hang on to him, keep him. But look, the Warriors are a better team without him, aren't they? And so are players like Reece Walsh part of the problem? 0800 150 is the number. Hi, Andrew. How you going there, right? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, just like... Um Pretty excited about the Warriors this year. Um, uh, not a really sky describer for the last ten years. Thought it was a bit of waste of money. So, only really began week by week. I can, um, but I have to say that uh, so excited. Like after they paid played Canterbury, I was talking to a mate. The next day, you're still thinking about how good the game was the night before. Where probably for a long time you you might wouldn't even really be thinking about it. 
No, look, I, I agree with you. I used to be a really big hardcore league fan and followed it a lot. And then I guess with the demise of the Warriors, maybe, look, also my life, you know, two kids and got a lot busier that probably in the last four or five years I haven't followed it. Um, but this year, yeah, for some reason, in part, uh, well, a lot of it to do with the Warriors' success, you know, I've got that engagement back and I've made myself a bit of a promise that it's certainly next season I'm going to follow it at a much deeper level like I sort of do with the English Premier League and I'm pleased you said that because you know rugby's just frustrating the hell out of me and I, I need a channel I need somewhere to go I enjoy my live sport and the NRL's doing it for me Yeah well I, I, like I've, I've watched like I've watched the Warriors and I'm one of those guys that you get to half time where you get past half time and you think well like watching your kids play sports isn't it you know it's a hard watch sometimes and you know they're not putting a hundred you know, and you think, well, but, you know, I have to say this year, it's just, it's amazing how it can just switch, you know, and when you listen to Andrew talking and, and that sort of stuff, you think, well, you know, the culture must be very good. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you get Andrew Webster comes along and he manages to do what so many coaches that have quite big reputations within the NRL or quite big reputation as players have failed to do. And then I sort of sit there and go, do they just not have, you know, what does it take to be a rugby league coach? Because so many of them appear just to be really inadequate when it comes to man management and maybe setting some standards and setting some expectations. And I'm sort of hoping that Andrew Webster's this new breed or his legacy is that, you know, other coaches look at him and realise that you need to be actually more multidimensional than perhaps what, you know, what's been expected previously. Well, I, I, I think the last time we had a coach just actually triggered the team like this was when um, Ivan Cleary, and when they got rid of Ivan Cleary all those years ago, that would have been one of the biggest mistakes. I guarantee if Ivan Cleary was around, we would have, we would have run a, won a premiership. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's amazing though, isn't it? Like you can't underestimate a coach, and that's why I guess you know this, this highlights too. You know, in football, you can't sack an entire squad, and that's why you see managers, you know, which are coaches, basically getting sacked all the time. And you know, you've seen what Scott Robertson's done with the Crusaders. You see what Webster's done now with the Warriors and I think there is a lot in it yes players do need to be held accountable but again coaches and a good coach can make a world of difference can't they because you know the, the art of being a good coach is just managing the different personalities managing the egos knowing how to push different buttons for different players yeah well Wayne Bennett said the other day when he was interviewed after we um, the Warriors fed him he said well you're not you're not going to get players playing well if they're not enjoying the environment and it's all about them having fun and enjoying the environment, and if they enjoy the environment, then we can do our job and, and things start ticking. Hey, Andrew, I see you're funding from Dunedin. What's the league scene like down there? Um, I'll be honest, probably haven't really followed it for a long time. Like as you said, kids now um, doing, well, got two boys, 13 and 14, so pretty, I'm waiting outside one at Army Cadets at the moment, actually, so we're just following around, and yeah, we're probably really not by the league now, probably more into surfing and a bit of hunting, so... No, yeah, no, good on, no, good on you, mate. Hey, look, thank you for phoning, and don't be a stranger to the programme, my good man. Thoroughly enjoyable. No, no worries, mate. Okay, mate. Thank you. Andrew, Andrew there phoning the programme, 14 minutes away from nine. You're listening to SENZ. Ten minutes away from nine o'clock. Hoop Heads coming up very shortly. Casey Frank, Justin Nelson will take you through the National Basketball League. Um, Michael Stetson said, I'll be watching the Ashes Second test on TVNZ Duke. You can also go online and get it through Spark. Spark is free at the moment. So you can watch it on Spark. 
So just sign in. Don't have to pay anything to do it. Jacob? I have a feeling, Watto, that it was just the first test oh, they had it? on Spark, and now it's on TVNZ, free free on air, Okay, um, so I believe. It, so it's on Duke, which yeah, is on what, Duke, channel, yep. what, what channel is that, 25 or something, is it? Yeah, something like that. It's changed a bit. Yeah, it's changed around, yeah. Okay, so you can watch that on Duke. There you go. Um, so you can watch The Ashes. What? Oh, yeah, we've been talking about, um, I don't know how we got onto this All Blacks, all black team or greatest 15 where your players have got technically two first names and we've had a few and we've got we've had Dan Carter we've had David Kirk Joe Stanley Will Jordan Christian Cullen uh, Jamie Joseph um, we have also had Anton Oliver Caleb Ralph Joe Stanley is brilliant um, and so I sort of started to put a backline together but this one's coming so this one's got me in a bit of a conundrum so we've had Dan Carter as our first vote. Hey, but someone's just texted and said Carlos Spencer, and of course Spencer can be a first name as well. So what I've done is I've dropped, I've dropped Dan Carter and I put Carlos in at first five. Um, team starting to look bulletproof. <laughs> that, look, that look that you just gave me. I was just thinking Dan Carter made his debut at twelve, didn't he? Alongside Carlos Spencer, so maybe Dan Carter at twelve, Carlos at ten. We've got Warwick Taylor at second 5'8". Oh, you can't leave Warwick out. Warwick played uh, 24 tests for the All Blacks and lost 23. Hey, we've got Cheryl finally. Let's take Cheryl. Cheryl looks like she's lovely. Let's have a good chat to Cheryl. Uh, on Wednesday, what have we got here? Hi, mate. I live in Gisborne and I've never seen so many Warriors caps and shirts being worn um, like I've seen in the last week. I have not spotted one single piece of merchandise of usual being worn anywhere. Yeah, brilliant, Scott. Hey, thank you for that text, mate. Um, being worn, including leading up to the Super Rugby final. They have captured our region and we are all on support crew. On a side note, I think Friday's games will be low scoring and a win to the Warriors. Hey, Scott, thank you for texting, mate. Brilliant. I agree. And this is what rugby don't get. League has taken over, man. It is the default setting. It is appointment viewing. Let's head to Raglan. The very lovely Cheryl joins us. Hi, Cheryl. Have we got you there, Cheryl? Oh, no, you, Cheryl's not for me? Oh, okay. I th- Cheryl's chatting up. Jacob. How come all the ladies phone Jacob? Never phone me. I thought Cheryl from Raglan was going to talk to me. I think I've spoken to Cheryl from Raglan before. Anyway, um, what was I talking about? No, lost my complete train of thought now, thinking that I was going to talk to Cheryl. Yeah, names, um, all black teams. So we had um, also in the forwards, we had Zinzan and Brooke. We had Anton Oliver. We've had Jamie Joseph. We had, um, who was, sorry, who's the former all black coach we had too? Uh, England coach? John Mitchell. John Mitchell. John. I can I can, I can add another name to that loose Ford trio. Steve Gordon. Oh yeah, Steve. Good man, Steve Gordon. Oh, I, and by the way, I can listen to the Ashes on your radio station. Of course, you can on SENZ. I didn't mean to. Just talking from a a, a, a visual point of view. Uh, yeah, Steve Gordon. So he was another good number eight, wasn't he? Boy, and all of eights at the moment. Mind you, an eight can play technically at six, can't they? And then the six can play at lock. And well, I mean, if they're as talented as Artie Savia. They could. And what about Irony Clark? And that would that would obviously uh, make Caleb Clark eligible too. Yeah, Irony Clark. Yep, Irony, great centre. Would he get ahead of? I'd put him at second five eight. Well, I know we got Warwick, haven't we? Boy, you better fill out a bench too. Yeah, well, I think I'd put him on the bench because I think I'd probably still go with Smoke and Joe. Caleb, 
yeah, he might be on the other wing at the moment. He's going to have to work on his defence, though, Caleb. You're a man out, but grammar boy, mate. But you're going to have to work on your defence, Caleb. And you know me and you go way back to 16. I handed out your jersey in the changing rooms at Auckland Grammar School when you played Auckland Grammar and beat them 53-0. Yes, Caleb, I shook your hand. I handed out that jersey. And I told you, be brutal at the breakdown, my friend. I'll throw True Cheryl, story. I'll throw Cheryl's, I believe it. I'll throw Cheryl's uh, suggestion in too. Damien McKenzie. Yeah, Damien McKenzie's a bit of a girl's name though, isn't it? Yeah, still works technically. Still a first name. Do we need to... Yeah, no, Damien McKenzie. So where does Damien fit in? Bench? 15. Who's 15? Oh, he could play lock. Lock? <laughs> well, it'd be easy to lift. <laughs> hey, Cheryl, thanks. That's a great contribution in all seriousness. Why didn't you talk to me, Cheryl? We've spoken in the past. How come Caleb gets all the girls? How come you get the girls, Caleb? Oh, Jacob, I mean, why was I think Caleb, Jacob, Caleb? Caleb Clark. It's because you went on your Caleb Clark I've had Clark a rant. shocking night tonight with name pronunciation, getting things out. I've got brain fog. I must have long COVID or something. Anyway, that is us. Hoophead's coming up next. Casey Frank. Oh, someone's just texted me. Oh, that's different. Nothing to do with this. Thought it might have been some girl out there texting me, listening, feeling sorry for me. But that's not the case. They only like Jacob. Story of my life, really. Story of mine, too. <laughs> Birds of a feather flock together. Okay, that is us. We should call this Love Songs to Midnight with Watto and Jacob. Jacob.